Today on the show... We always want to make sure that we understand what's happening with our tenant base. So I, I would say that there's never a time where we, where we are hands off. Welcome to the Not Another Real Estate Investing Podcast. Glad to have you aboard. And we're really excited this week to welcome Billy Keels onto the show. Billy is the man behind KeepOnCashflow.com. He hosts the Keep On Cashflow podcast. And over the course of this conversation, we're going to talk about how Billy has balanced his work in the corporate world with building a real estate investing portfolio. Billy lives in Europe. We'll talk about the reasons why he's decided to focus on the United States as opposed to Europe. And he talks about why he's no overnight success and talks about all the mistakes he's made along the way. Hi, Billy. Thanks for making time for us. Hey, Danny. It's a pleasure to be here. We were just talking a little bit off air about your biographical background and details. It's a pretty great story. Very interesting. You're based in Europe. Um, why don't we take a step back, though, um, and talk a little bit about the first time you realized you could make a dollar off of real estate, or indeed, what was the first dollar you ever made off of real estate? Um, wow, that's a great uh kicker question. So I, I didn't even ever think about real estate. Uh, I wasn't a guy who grew up around family with real estate or any of that kind of stuff. I've been pretty much a, a corporate warrior, a corporate citizen, like one of these multi um, um, multinational employees. I'd always uh, invested in the stock market and stuff like that. And then uh, I guess after a number of years of reading a bunch of books, uh, primarily Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in 2010, I think is when it got me started. Then I actually made my first uh, euro or dollar uh, in investing in real estate, and that was in 2013. Uh, it was uh, June June of 2013. Prior to getting into real estate, because it's a pretty interesting one, um, you were in the corporate world. I think on your website, you describe yourself as a, a corporate soldier. Uh, where'd you go to boot camp, I guess? And can you talk a little bit about uh, what kind of work you did in the corporate world? Yeah, sure. So I was, um, well, I started uh, right after college. I had a pretty awesome job. I was, um, I left the Southwest of Ohio and moved to St. Louis, Missouri. When, uh, when I was in St. Louis, I had a, uh, this job. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I was paid to travel around the world, uh, working about 25 to 28 days a month. Uh, in five years I'd worked and traveled throughout some 58 different countries. It was pretty unbelievable working with a lot of fortune 500 CEOs. And that was kind of the boot camp. I mean, that's really where I got started in the corporate world. And then after that, I did a one-year sabbatical where I ended up in uh, Paris, France. And I was supposed to just uh, learn French, uh, learn how to salsa dance and learn more about wine. Um, after that, I decided, well, it was time to keep stick around and continue my boot camp. And I started working in the IT sector, so in hardware, and I moved down to the south of France. Uh, after that, I moved into software. Uh, or from hardware, I stayed in hardware. I moved to Italy. I was sent to Italy, actually. Went back uh, to France, and then uh, in 2005, I moved into the software space and also moved to Barcelona, Spain. So, and since then, my, I guess, boot camp has continued, and I've uh, continued to work as a, uh, as a corporate soldier, or, you know, like many, many people around the globe working for big multinational companies. And is over that course, is that uh, how you became a polyglot? You speak something like five languages, right? Yeah, you know what? I've been really fortunate, Danny. I was, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I guess traveling around in different places, uh, being a guy from Columbus, Ohio, I'd, well, at least when I grew up, we didn't have a chance to speak anything other than English. So um, I pretty much... <laughs> I only spoke English until about uh, until I was about 27, and then I had a chance to um, well to to go overseas and 
uh, living in France, uh, you know, it was either figure out how to speak French or not be able to eat at night or not be able to, uh, <laughs> turned on. um, and then same thing in Italy pretty much was, uh, was the same. And so I was the only person who was non-Italian, uh, while I was there living for seven months in Sardinia, but that was pretty amazing. Uh, and then when I got here to Spain, I, I have to admit, I, I had some help because, uh, my girlfriend at the time and now my wife was also helping me. Um, so I didn't have the same fears of not being able to, um, to eat in the evening or, or be able to have my lights turned on and stuff like that. But, uh, but basically living in the places and uh, just going through and making a lots and lots and lots of mistakes is kind of how, what's helped me to get to, uh, to five languages today. Well, you married a Spanish girl. Um, I think you live in Barcelona now, but your business, your real estate business is very much focused in the United States. Can you talk about that? Um, especially while trying to balance your corporate life with this real estate investor life. Um, talk about those early steps, how you um, decided to get into, into, into this business. Yeah. You know what? I wish I could tell you that there was this massive, um, you know, master plan. And I started out from day one and I wanted to build this, this real estate empire, right. In the United States and doing that from Spain. Uh, but to be quite honest, in the very beginning, I was super scared and because I was thousands of miles away. Um, I had no experience in real estate. Um, and, but the thing is I was really tired of losing money in the, in, on wall street, basically, because I had my money in, in, uh, mutual funds and all that other kind of stuff. And I just basically had no control. So, um, after reading the book, I mentioned, I read it before it took me about three years to finally pull the trigger and, and buy the first property. Um, and, and actually I wanted to buy the first property here in Spain. Uh, and I'd looked a lot because everything that I'd read in, in rich dad, poor dad, I was like, well, yeah, it's really cool. Let me just apply it. And I'm going to buy it here. Right. And the reality was being a cash flow focused investor and these, the, the markets where I was looking and the market in which I live here in Europe is pretty much like LA or, or New York. They're very appreciation based markets. So it was just, it, it, the numbers weren't making sense for me. Um, I looked at buying an apartment uh, unit and then that didn't work. And then I looked at buying a parking space and recently somebody asked me and they said, well, why didn't you do that? And I, when I did the math on the parking space, it was going to cost me something like um, 50,000 euros, let's call them euros or dollars. And I was going to net about 50, 50 a month. And so that was going to basically take me 83 years to get the return of my capital, much less the return uh, on my capital. And I thought, well, you know what, as much as I love my kids, I'd, I'd rather be able to spend some of that money with them today. So um, one thing led to the next. Um, and, and I really looked at the U.S. market and um, I went to a place where I had family. Uh, there was not really any more kind of market selection than that. I w- made a decision more based on fear and said, if everything kind of gets uh, messed up, who can bail me out of this? And so I bought a place where I had family relatively close to, uh, to the properties that, that I purchased. And, and it kind of started, uh, it started there really. You know, it's interesting for maybe anyone listening that's considering, uh, international investing. Are you saying that Europe just doesn't have the growth, the upside that you can find in North America? Well, you know what? I, 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 I don't really want to say Europe in general, cause it's kind of like saying in the U S it's a better market and it's really so local. Yeah. And so it's really more about the the places that I was looking, right? And, and and that was Barcelona, really Barcelona specifically. And then I started looking in Madrid. I lived in Paris. So I started looking there. And those markets are very similar to New York City, to San Francisco, to um, to LA back in the States where there it's just difficult to create cash flow, not impossible, but just difficult, difficult to create cash flow. Uh, and that's really what 
took me to the U.S. market more than anything else. I just couldn't get the numbers to work for the model that I that I wanted to execute. Hey, Billy, what city did you end up going to in the States? Well, originally, I went, yeah, so just it was in the Philadelphia MSA, so but in New Jersey, in New Jersey. Oh, uh, where in New Jersey? Uh, in South Jersey. I don't know if you're familiar with an area called Vineland. Yeah, for sure. And so you would, were you looking for buy and hold properties down there? Exclusively buy and hold. Yeah. Exclusively. Buy. What types of properties were you picking up? Kind of a boring, uh, boring kind of person that way. What type of properties did you uh, start picking up there? So initially when I started, um, I was picking up properties where I was able to get enough. Um, uh, I was able to actually use the money that I had to to pick up the place. So, I mean, maybe if I give you an example of the very first property that I bought and, and keep in mind, I when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was always thinking about um, buying a property like a house, like because that's the examples like the to really buying a house. And so the very first property I ever purchased happened to be a duplex. And that wasn't even on my like I wasn't even thinking about a duplex, but uh, just so happened that there was a lady who uh, had inherited a home and she didn't want to, um, she didn't want the home. She wanted to move down somewhere near the coast. And so it just worked out. I had an agent who was there and told me about it. I think it was also on the MLS. It'd been there for a while. Uh, and the property, what they were actually asking, uh, this particular property, they wanted $94,000 for the duplex. Um, we ended up closing, uh, there needed to be some work on it. it was, uh, we got it at 77,000. We put another 20,000 into it. So, um, I would say it's definitely a, a C class property. So probably C plus, uh, based on the area, um, in a, uh, in a B minus, uh, B minus, uh, C plus area. Right. And so that kind of help. Yeah. And so you would buy that property and, uh, what are your rents like on something like that down there? Well, keep in mind there, there weren't any, so there were no previous um, tenant. Like this wasn't a place that actually had housed uh, residents or tenants before. So um, I looked around and what I'd seen online at the time was um, well, the rents were probably going for around a thousand a side or around a thousand basically. And so I thought, well, let's see, we're going to put another 20 grand into this particular property. Uh, when the things were going in well, a couple of years back, we were able to get uh, both sides rented, and they were renting at uh, fourteen hundred per side. Oh wow! So twenty eight hundred a month, and you're all in at about a hundred. Uh, yeah, just short of just short of hundred. Oh, okay, yeah. those numbers are great, huh? Well, I mean, those numbers are pretty much uh, unbelievable, and that is one of the reasons that um, it's like everything else, right? When you get started, you don't really know what you don't know, and keep it in mind. And I was doing this from thousands of miles away. I was working a day job. I had two small kids, um, and and early on, I mean, it was just like, wow, how do we, you know, I knew enough to kind of, there was some forced appreciation that we put into place. It was really just luck of the draw because this place wasn't previously rented. And I just looked around at other rent, like I went to rent a meter and stuff like that and saw more or less what the top was. But because we put so much into the property, we felt like we could get a, a, a premium and we were able to do that for, uh, for a while. So yeah, so it, was, uh, it actually worked out really, really well. Haven't found anything like that since, um, but that was what I guess I needed to, con- to keep the ball rolling from a, from a real estate perspective. Yeah, so what have you done since that first property? Um, you mean aside from the, what do you mean in terms of uh, mistakes that are oh, made? Oh no, or? like how has your business um, transformed or where have you gone with it? Okay, cool. Um, so in all, I guess one of the things is I always like to keep as a backdrop, right? Um, that probably unlike many, many people that are full-time investors, I'm, I'm still not at that point. I'm one of these people, it's, uh, you know, doing a multiple six-figure salary during the day. And so we're doing this kind of um, uh, 
uh, building this dream um, in the evenings and lots on the weekends and, and getting teams in place. So I guess after the initial success uh, and also lots of failures, because uh, we made lots of mistakes and continue to make mistakes, but we, we try to make less and less of them. Um, the, the idea was, uh, it was probably about, I think that was in June. And then about six months later, I was able to buy another fourplex. Uh, and then after that, uh, I think it was about another year and we bought another fourplex and we were at 10 properties. I was working during the day and things were going really, really well. Things got to be so eh, kind of crazy that I, I had to stop, right? Because there was so much activity going on that was needed. And keeping in mind, I was trying to manage this and from Spain, right? Without having property management companies, I had a handy guy and all this other kind of stuff. So not what I would def- recommend to others to do, uh, but I definitely have learned a lot as a result of that. Um, afterwards, I kind of stopped, got really connected with a number of different uh, real estate groups because here in Spain, it's it, it's not like back in North America uh, where there are lots of different RIA meetings and meetups and you know, all this other kind of stuff. So I wanted to get really connected, kind of learn from other people. And so that's what I, uh, that's what I did. Um, and then after, after that, so I guess it was about a two year hiatus kind of stopped. Uh, then I started putting real process in place in terms of how we go out really what it was, what was it that I wanted to do in terms of uh, an investor? So I was clear on cash flow. I then that needed to start looking for the markets that were in line with, with that cash flow kind of stuff. And I looked at about, I think it was 13 different markets across the U.S. Uh, came down to four different markets, uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and I'm talking to MSAs uh, in, on all of these, um, and, and Columbus, Ohio. And ultimately started now focusing on the Charlotte MSA. So that's where now uh, built teams and, and we're in that, uh, in that market. Uh, since then, we have added a 17-unit um, a mobile home park uh, to our portfolio, uh, and I've also gone in with a group of investors. We have an 82-room 82, 82 hotel. So um, I guess that nowadays, so it started out as a duplex. There's probably like a, a little bit over 101 different, uh, I guess, streams of responsibility uh, that uh, that we'd have from uh, from Barcelona while I'm working a day job. So, Yeah, so your current business, are you just in um, the – you're still in – uh, Philadelphia, right. Or, um, New, or Southern Jersey. Yep. Exactly. And, um, the other market you're in currently Charlotte. Charlotte. So those are the only two places you're in right now, right? Uh, well, with the exception of the hotel. So the hotel is in Northeast Ohio. Oh, okay. But that's, and well, could you talk a little about the hotel? Probably a, a group syndication. So, um, so in with the number uh, of other investors, the opportunity um, uh, arose, and it was something that uh, it's a it's a group of of people with lots of experience, previous um, previous opportunities before, and it was really the um, it was you know it was a, it was the right opportunity, um, and so it's something that uh, decided to go to move forward on. Yeah, and so how many units are there? Eighty, and that's yeah. just that's like a nightly rental type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's a hotel, so it's um you know it's a it's a hotel. So it's a rent, uh, rent the or rent. I guess you you buy the the night uh, the night stay. But um, I would really put that in terms that you wanted to know where we were going, kind of as a um, as a company. That's where that's that's what we've done. But I would say that the the hotel is really a side. Like that's not something that I'm directly responsible for. It's me more being a part of a uh, of an overall syndication, but it's part of the uh, the overall portfolio. 
Okay. So when you buy properties in Charlotte, are you buying distressed properties, um, renovating them, putting tenants in place? No, I mean, it's that's, no, that's, not, that's not our business model. It's we're more value add. So um, something that is completely distressed, that that's not what we like to do. That's not what our investors are focused on. So we primarily look for things that are already uh, working. Uh, however, they may, there's some opportunity either to increase rents or improve efficiencies from a management perspective and, and being able to increase um, the, the, the operating margin or what we like to call in, in, in real estate, the net operating income. Right. And so what do those units look like in Charlotte that you're um, actively acquiring? Yeah. So right now uh, we have what we have acquired is a mobile home park. So it is, um, well, there are basically 17 pads uh, in that mobile home park. It's around uh, 12 acres. So we have lots of upside to to increase uh, the number of pads. And I think probably more importantly, though, where what we want to be able to do and what we've been looking for in terms of the right opportunity with uh, with our network is is looking for um, opportunities anywhere between 60 to 120 doors. That's really what we're looking for looking for right now in the, uh, in the Charlotte MSA. And how do you go about raising money for these projects? Uh, well, I mean, initially it's been all my own capital. So, uh, one of the things that has happened, uh, so far is we have had, and I guess this is one of the results of just going, making a lot of mistakes, uh, sharing with, uh, with friends and family, uh, things like that. And keep in mind here in Europe, um, I had a number of friends that I was telling about, you know, the, the, the year and a half or two years of acquiring those first 10 properties. And I was sharing with them that, you know, the heartaches and, and also the, the upside in terms of what was happening. And so I had a couple friends and, and there were three different friends that, and I think it was probably about three or four month time span, but I remember the first friend was, you know, I'm explaining to him what was going on with the, uh, with the properties. Um, and he asked me, he said, Billy, would you, you know, would, would you let me invest with you? And I, I thought to myself, well, no. And he just kind of looked at me and I said, well, no, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'd always been told that you don't mix friends and money and, and I'd never wanted to ruin a friendship over money. And so I told him no. And then I, like I said, there was another friend that asked a couple months later and then a third friend and these three friends, different places, different times, all asked the same thing. And my response was no to each one of them. Like, I don't want to mix friendship and money. And one thing led to the next. And I thought, well, these guys are onto something. I must be missing something because they're all asking the same question. And I keep saying, no, let me go figure out what, is there an opportunity? If so, how do we make that work? And so, um, I then went and had, um, uh, people here in Spain and in the United States kind of helped me understand the legal and, uh, and tax ramifications on being able to work with people from different countries and things like that. So, um, one of the things that we have started doing is working with uh, people that are investing capital with us. And so we now have investors that are uh, here in Europe, in the United States specifically, um, and, and in Latin America. So um, that is kind of the next frontier is to, to work with investors. So between my own capital, uh, using and working with the banks, uh, as well as uh, private lenders. So in Charlotte, how do you manage these properties? So yeah, so then this is part of the learning, right? Uh, in the beginning, I was trying to do that myself. And, I, and, and as I mentioned, I, I reiterate, that's not the way that I would recommend anybody do that. Um, and, and then having a clear process, and actually working with um, 
property management companies uh, that are there on the ground, uh, that have boots on the ground, have experience in the area, understand the, uh, the client base that we're working with so that it's a much better experience for our tenants. And how do you acquire properties in that market? How do you find opportunities? Uh, well, really through relationships, right? It's, it's, it's no different. And the, the, the difference here is because we are by distance, by definition, long distance, we have to use a lot more technology, right? Uh, we use, or I, I uh, like to use a lot of different technologies and whether that's Skype or Zoom or Facebook to be able to typically initially start the conversation. At least that's the way I'll tell you how I built it in, in the beginning was, was just that. And also just picking up the phone, right? You pick up the phone and you make a bunch of cold calls. I didn't know the people in Charlotte. I didn't have any relationships there initially. And it was just, you know, making a lot of calls and, and you know, filtering through and pick up a list of a hundred different people and you eventually get to one, right? And so or one or two, uh, and then having a number of conversations, a lot of different emails, um, a lot of explanation of what it is that we were looking for, understanding if the companies were made the right fit or they, they understood the tenant base that we were looking for. And then eventually at a certain point, if the relationship makes sense, I mean, I, I like to describe it. And it's, if you're, if you're, if you're married, I mean, I've been married for a number of years. I mean, the same thing with my wife and I, we started out and we saw one another and hi and this and that. And, uh, you know, we went out and went to the movies and eventually, um, in time we got married. And so it's just the same thing. So we've taken our time to get to know and build relationships with the right people, uh, the right property management companies. And, um, and eventually once we are in a point where we think it makes sense, then we, you know, we verb, I guess, virtually gotten married and they are responsible now for, um, for our tenants on the ground and making sure that they're very, very taken care of right? from, a, from a service perspective. Right. So you'll, so you'll reach out to some realtors, they'll bring you opportunities, you'll evaluate them, you'll move forward on a project um, after you do your due diligence, determine it's something for you. You guys will put the money and financing together, take the property down. And in that process, you're going to be looking for a project or a, a property management company to manage the, the project once you own it. And it's pretty much hands off at that point, and you're and you're basically just following up with your property management company to make sure that everything moves along how it well, should be moving along. Is that kind of well, how this process all, works? You know, I yesterday I posted on my Facebook page there was this video um, of Gary V. I don't know if either of you guys watch him or listen to him, Gary Vaynerchuk, and so he, you know, he's talked about passive income, and and there's never a moment when you are. Um, that you are active, you're an active investor, uh, whether you do it part-time or full-time that you, that it's hands off. Right. I mean, one of the things is we're, we are always uh, hands on, um, but we just change in terms of what we do. So it's really more about um, managing the relationship. So in, in the example you just gave, um, we always want to make sure that we understand what's happening with our tenant base. Um, and we do that through our property management company. So I, I would say that there's never a time where we, where we are hands off. It's just more or less where we're focused um, our energy to make sure that at the end of the day that our tenants are are taken care of. All right, it's physically hands off because you're in Spain, but you're still in constant communication with well, your yeah. uh, property management company. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. And what made you de decide that Charlotte was the market that you would want to put your money into? 
Well, you know, it, it comes down to being able to study the market, right? I mean, we, we, we looked at it before. I mentioned in the beginning, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was, I was operating out of a place of fear. I, I thought, well, if I'm going to put money on this property, I want to make sure that I don't lose all my money. So where's, where's family? And, you know, they'll go bail me out if all goes wrong. That wasn't the right way to do it. At least I, it wasn't the right way for me. So after putting a lot of structure in and coming down to those four markets that I told you about, I mean, we like to look at a lot of the different um, uh, economic indicators. So we like to look at um, it, what is the employment, right? So what is the the, uh, the unemployment rate uh, versus the national average? Um, are people are there more people moving to a place than leaving the place? Uh, which means are there you know what's the net migration? I also like to look and see what are the number of different companies that are there. Uh, what's the diversification uh, of the different industries are there? I mean, nobody wants to uh, be stuck uh, when uh, when Detroit goes bust. With all due respect to Detroit, but if you have a town that is very focused on one industry, you put a lot of different um, things at risk, right? And when you start thinking about your uh, your own capital, uh, the future of your children, things like that, you you start to put much more structure around it. So, I mean, there are other things that go into it, but I guess those are some of the things I would say are the most important in terms of looking at it um, and evaluating or, or criteria for market selection. Right. Are you in a point where you're starting to look towards other markets or are you going to focus on Charlotte for the foreseeable future? Um, you know, right now we're focused on Charlotte. We really like Charlotte. Um, a lot of our international investors love Charlotte as well. So, um, it's a reason for us to continue to stay there. Um, it's a really, really hot market as well, but I'm a believer in, you know, you can find a deal in any market. You just have to have a wide enough net or, or, or deep enough uh, relationships. So, uh, so we like it. We're going to stay there for a while. And afterwards we'll see, there may be, uh, there may be other opportunities in other markets, but for the moment we're, uh, we like Charlotte a lot. Right. Are you looking to um, leave your full-time job anytime in the near future? Um, you know, look, here's the thing. So I, I think I was probably about a year ago, if you asked me that question, I was, I was really ready. I was like, yeah, I got to go because I was listening to so many video, listening to so many uh, podcasts and watching um, too many videos probably. But right now I'm in a, I'm in a job where I genuinely like going into my job. I'm very good at it and I'm well compensated. Um, I have the flexibility to be able to also build a dream uh, at the same time. Uh, and I use the very same skill sets that I use in my corporate job as I use in my, um, in my uh, job in terms of building this, uh, this dream, which is building my company. Um, so I don't know if I'm unique in that. Um, I, I tend to think there are a lot of other people that actually like their jobs. There are probably a lot, millions that hate their job too. Um, I fall into the first category. Um, but I would say that there will be a natural progression. Uh, because the more responsibility that we have in terms of working with more investors from different places in the world, and the more that our our um, our portfolio of, uh, of of assets grows, um, I would see that that would would be a natural progression, right? But as of today, I, I like what I do. They like where with me where I am, um, and it works uh, for everybody. But uh, I wish I could tell the future. But um, yeah, and then the less you need your job. Yeah, the I mean, less inclined you are to take somebody's shit too. So, well, you know, it's one of those things. Like, so I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, "Look, I don't go into my job, and I don't think about like the 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 conversation with my boss about what the raise is, if it's one percent or three percent. I really don't care. Like, I, I could care less. Like, that is probably the one of the easiest conversations that my boss would have because 
I'm there because I want to be there. I'm there because, um, you know, because I want to be there. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's nothing other than that. And it makes it really, really easy um, because I know that I'm, I'm making enough streams of income. So I'm making money right at the job and outside of the job because I perform well in my job and I perform well outside of the job and in my building my own business, uh, which allows me to have much more control over my time, which is super important to me. And because I am making more money, I am able to control my time, right? Um, it, I'm, allowed, I'm able to live with much less stress in my life. So for the moment, it, it's good. Uh, will that change in the future? Probably. Billy, did you want to let us know, let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, sure, guys. Um, I mean, one of the things I always like to kind of leave it in three flavors, because to your point, I mean, people, different people like different things. Right. And and so I've started meeting a lot of people from all over the globe. So if anybody wants to find out more about like long distance investing, what it's all about, um, feel free. I'm happy to give you a 30 minute call. We can chat. Um, you can do that at bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. Um, I also wrote a, uh, I wrote a book on kind of what I've been doing, um, in terms of long distance investing. Um, it was on Amazon. It was one of the, you know, one of those bestseller kind of things. And, um, if you want to pick that book up for free, um, all you need to do is go to grow your money, the smart uh, you can pick it up, read through it. Uh, also give you a chance to check out other people on our, on our, on our list. And if somebody just wants to check out what we're doing, just go to keep on so those are kind of the three flavors. If anybody wants to get in touch or just kind of um, look around and see what we're doing. I really appreciate you coming in, Billy, giving us a few minutes. Hey, guys, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's all the time we have for this edition of the program. We'll be back in one week's time with another episode. In the meantime, be sure to rate and comment on the podcast at Apple Podcasts. We'll see you soon.